Welcome to the Networking for the People podcast series. If you are looking for guidance on NFTs, you've come to the wrong place. But stick around anyway as we figure out what our friends are up to, why they are doing what they do, and how they ended up getting there in the first place. I'm Robert. Welcome to NFTP. To close out our interviews for season one, we welcome Jonathan. Jonathan is a New York-born but now Philly-based engineer working in the biotech and pharma space. We overlap in many of our electives and have a little bit of that same overlap as we are both now into the early stages of our careers. Both looked to pursue that biotech industry early on and I'm happy to have Jonathan to be reconnecting and catching up to see how our paths both diverge and converge at the same time. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. I'm glad to be here. So to get us started and get us right into it, in your own words, who are you and what do you do? I think you hit some of the important stuff um, in that first introduction. But yeah, my name is Jonathan Henry. Um, I grew up in Portchester, New York, which is in Westchester County, right above the Bronx. Um, was born and raised there. Um, attended the Cooper Union to get my bachelor's degree in chemical engineering. Um, from there, I decided to go into the farmer space and worked for a place called Eurofins Lancaster's Labs um, for about a year. And then I made a transition to go um, work for Merck at their vaccine process development department and have been there ever since. I'm familiar with Eurofins mostly from probably the external side. You were on the internal side. And I think Merck, for the most part, is a household name. To get into your current job and what you do at the bigger company, um, do you mind walking me through that transition that you made and then your interview process getting into your current job? I was at Eurofins. What I was, I was kind of a contractor for Merck for about a year. Mm -hmm. So um, I was going to their site and, you know, I was performing experiments, whatever they needed me to do, being in lab. Um, and so, yeah, I was there for about a year. And um, after about a year, the hiring manager that I actually first talked to um, told me that they had a position open and they wanted me to apply. Um, and so that interview process was slightly different from what you would probably normally see in the sense that since I was already internal, they didn't really need to, you know, go to screenings and stuff like that. So I just went straight into in-person interviews. Mm -hmm. So for that, what ended that being was that I had um, four in-person interviews for about 45 minutes, just going over my resume, going over the work that I had done for the past year with them. And um, yeah, it was just that and as well as a lunch interview, which was a little bit more casual, just talking to people in the department. Mm -hmm. I already, again, knew them. So it was kind of just like a weird dynamic because we were already... Uh, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, just free lunch, you know, for... <laughs> yeah, like, I got free lunch from the cafeteria, so I can't complain about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So it was um, very casual, you know. And yeah, it was, it was interesting transitioning between the two because, again, it's not a normal experience, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm happy you bring up the you know, coming in as a contractor. And then thank you for, you know, sharing that with us. That is pretty common in, as far as my experience as well, seeing, you know, people work or at least start working in the contractor role and then actually transition and get converted into a full-time role. Um, so that's, you know, I'm happy for you that that worked out that way. I know sometimes we don't always know that this kind of transition exists when we're trying to enter, you know, in our case, the biotech space, but I'm realizing, you know, how common it is and, in fact, there's that many differences, you know. Yes, in a sense, we, you know, in your example, you work for Eurofins, which is one of the biggest lab contracting companies. I believe over all their sites, over 40,000 employees. So 
quite a big space, quite a big company to work for. And then transitioning, like you said, to working directly for Merck. Um, and it's funny also you say, you know, your, your lunch uh, interview <laughs> being the awkward one. I remember when I was interviewing as well, at least for my first role, when I was largely in a lab-based role, um, it was very casual. We kind of just sat, had some sandwiches and talked about our hobbies. Uh, so <laughs> I'm happy that uh, we had a similar experience there. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Uh, again, like you were saying, I did not realize how common it was for a contract to start as a contractor for a company and then, you know, transition to that full-time position. But I think it really did ease me into it. Yeah, again, just knowing everyone just made the whole process a lot easier. So it was a good time. Absolutely. It's kind of in the name. Um, do you mind walking me through what your role in that lab-based position was and kind of uh, your, your scheduling and your day-to-day? Yeah, yeah. So um, as a contractor, essentially, you're essentially doing the same thing as you would be as an entry-level person at Merck, except obviously you're just not working for Merck, you're working for another um, company. Right. So um, in that sense, it was, I really, when I transitioned into Merck, there really wasn't much of a difference. I mean, we went in, you know, we had our processing days, performed experiments. In that time, I was probably in lab for a majority of the day, um, not really doing much desk work and stuff like that. But um, yeah, you know, just being hands-on, doing process development, so, you know, running um, lab-scale processes that, you know, manufacturing would see, but mm -hmm. in order to, you know, get faster results and stuff like that, they have us do it in lab. That was my main job, was just to get material from manufacturing, perform the experiments, uh, perform, I guess, the unit ops, I should say, that they would perform in manufacturing and just get, you know, analytical data right. faster than they can. So it just was a way for them to kind of, you know, if there's any issues happening in manufacturing, we were kind of the first people to see it and, you know, would be able to give them feedback on, you know, changes that they can make or, you know, what actually went wrong and how we can avoid that in the um, future. Yeah. And it's funny almost you say that, you know, thinking back to our education, those small scale experiments are, or at least they were trying to basically mimic what would happen on large scale, whether it was a heat exchanger whether it was a distillation column. It was a little easier to handle, you know, a couple liters at a time instead of 200, 500, or 500 liter tanks. Exactly. But that's, I think that's a really nice transition or at least like a set of skills that you were able to put into practice. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I've come to realize in my role now that even though it's a lot bigger in manufacturing, all the principles are the same. Right. So, you know, it's just a scale up and, you know, you hope that everything works out correctly. I mean, obviously it doesn't always. A lot of people from manufacturing do reach out to our department um, and ask us to, you know, help them out if there's any issues that they see and stuff like that. So I think it's a good in-between where I get to see manufacturing, I get to see lab scale, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm getting pulled in both directions, and it's very interesting, and I thoroughly enjoy it. That's great. I'm happy that you're enjoying it. One piece that I kind of want to focus on in what you just said is, you you know, your manufacturing and these other teams are reaching out to you to understand if you've experienced problems or issues, you're a bench scale or at the lab scale. The communication piece is obviously very important, whether or not you're working with people that have been doing the same thing for 5, 10, 20 years. And then obviously with newcomers in the space, in your role now for several years, what's been your kind of a methodology or process for mentoring or training new employees that come in? Yeah, um, so training new employees, I've been doing that a lot recently just because I have the most experience in the project that I am currently. So a lot of people do come to me for training or, you know, when we again, like you said, hire new people, um, I'm training them. I think the best and easiest way that I've seen it 
is really to get them to have hands-on experience as soon as possible. We do have like our SOPs, our standard operating procedures, and you know, you can read them, but I think seeing the piece of equipment or instrument in front of you can be very daunting. And you know, I think getting them hands-on experience as soon as possible is very important. So usually what I end up doing is that, you know, for the first couple of times, I, you know, show them how to set it up, show them how to run it, show them why we're doing this. And then as time goes on, you know, start taking, you know, more of a back seat, you know, right. maybe they're running a certain unit off. I'm kind of just like, you know, they're just being like, okay, so what are you going to do next? Or, you know, make sure that, you know, these lines are not clamped, you know, because we're working with high pressure systems that could burst and they're kind of scary. So safety always first in um, our labs. <laughs> right. Being there and, you know, just making sure to guide them the way, um, you know, and make sure that they get that thought process um, and making sure that they're doing everything safely is very important. And yeah, I think hands-on experience, I think is the best way, especially in my job in order to learn and grow in the company. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes perfect sense. Our safety is obviously number one priority. I was talking to someone earlier today where the question came up of if you have a pressure plate on on the ground or something and everyone is accidentally stepping on it but even though they know it's there it's just it becomes an accident how are you going to address that from the safety side mm -hmm. we don't need to get into the best solution but i understand where you're coming from and i agree it's a commonplace issue <laughs> yeah i think especially with these big companies they're very focused on it making sure that everyone you know leaves um the way they came in is how they say it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yep, exactly. And that may be the exact tagline we see in many of our safety trainings, right? We want you exactly. uh, out the same way you came in. So thank you for walking me through your experience in the labs. Um, I do want to take a step back and think about something and talk about something that um, I remember from partly our joint experience, but also your own experience being involved with a couple organizations back in college. AKI, so the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, and NSBE, the National Society of Black Engineers. Would you mind walking me through how either both or neither of those organizations maybe provided you with a support system, a networking system, any kind of uh, tangents? So we can start out with AKI first. Um, so yeah, so I was um, involved in AKI at Cooper, and I actually did intern for them um, throughout Cooper from like my sophomore year onwards. I think the main thing that AKI taught me was that there's so much more to chemical engineering than what they taught us in school. Um, I feel like at Cooper, mm -hmm. they really did focus on the, um, you know, traditional quote unquote um, chemical engineering mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, probably focusing more on the petrochemical side, you know, things that people think about when they think about chemical engineering is usually that. Right. What Aki taught me was that there's so much more to chemical engineering and that your skills can be applied to so many different industries, areas of expertise or yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They definitely help you out with that. Um, so, you know, it, I think um, one thing that I also really enjoyed about AKI was that a lot of people who did work in their headquarters um, actually were chemical engineers who decided to shift into, you know, joining the organization and becoming a full-time employee there. So what I was able to do when I was um, interning and working for them was really pick their brains, and, you know, ask them for advice, you know, ask them, you know, why did they decide to leave industry to come to mm -hmm. an organization like Aki and work for them for full time and stuff like that. So um, I think that really helped me just decide like what I wanted to do outside of college and where I wanted to go, which was um, very beneficial. And I really enjoyed that. Um, in terms of Nesby, um, I think it was more of a social thing, you know, um, being able to be in a group of people who look like you and who are striving for the same thing. Um, as you is very important. And, you know, 
being able to, I really did mostly attend like the regional conferences, which was actually also very nice because it was kind of the people who were in the New York area. So I was able to, you know, um, meet them and, you know, meet them even outside of Cooper, um, you know, since we're so close to NYU and other colleges in Jersey and stuff like that. It was really great. And um, again, seeing those professionals and seeing um, their, oh, they were able to make it from where I was and seeing what they were doing was really inspirational. So I really enjoyed, um, you know, attending Nesby conferences as well as any events that were happening. So I think both of them taught me different things um, that I think I needed at the time. And I'm grateful both organizations for it. Yeah, that's amazing. I appreciate that you walked me through both of those different pieces. Obviously can't relate to Nesby as much, but you know, anytime there's an effort to improve diversity, not only in our industry, but across the work <laughs> environment. Um, I think that's a, a benefit. You know, I was uh, talking to someone earlier is we just around this early March period where we're recording right now, when we're recording right now, that there's a lot more work to do in the aspect of the about uh, earliest equal payday. And I'm not sure about too many of the details into into that, but it's more on the sense of the gender equality aspect. Um, you know, it's obviously a problem um, that we're looking to improve around the world. To exactly your point, to seeing people get to where they are in their careers, seeing people that look like you, it is, is so important um, at any level. That's something that I think, like you said, a lot of places are trying to figure out. And, you know, um, one thing I am grateful for Merck is that they are really trying and, you know, have been um, very inviting um, to have conversations that might be tough that, you know, that I didn't even expect them to ever have or ever to talk about. So, you know, very grateful for Merck for that. And, you know, anything to help with diversity and inclusion um, is always great. So try to do my best to do my part. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm happy to hear you're involved with that as well. You know, e even though we're early in our career, there's other people that can look up to you, um, can look up to people in our space for that support. So it's definitely valuable. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other part of um, what you were talking about, which was really interesting to me, I think that was eye-opening to me as well, is your experience about seeing people in the industry come back and work directly for a professional organization. From the early college years, maybe even going back or, uh, to high school, or, um, though that may be a long shot, and mm. I don't know how I'd feel about that, um, is connecting with the professional organizations that either we study or we don't, or ones just that we're interested in. But to your point of the professionals that were in the works, direct industry workspace, and now we're coming back to the professional society, I think it's important because especially the, right, these organizations host these events, they put together all this research material. You have to understand the content to communicate it well. I think they tried, you know, they, they taught that to us pretty early on mm -hmm. uh, while we were studying engineering and mm -hmm. for it to kind of come full circle in that from that perspective, yeah, yeah. it's nice to hear. Yeah, no, I was actually shocked about how many people who were in industry and who came back and, you know, was doing stuff in the organizations. I was like, okay, wow. So, I mean, and then again, another career path if you want to do that. Right. <laughs> something else that you can do, so. Yeah, absolutely. I want to bring us back to our day-to-day, -day, but take it from the perspective, um, maybe about my job and see if you have any questions for me as someone also in the biotech space. Now that I've been actually out of the lab for close to a year now, kind of in a different role that I took in the biotech space. Would you have any questions for me maybe that um, you'd be interested in? Yeah, you know, um, interesting thing because like, I know in the future, I don't know if I will be in the lab space, 
Um, so I guess what made you make that transition from like leaving the lab space was different learning opportunities. Like what really pushed you to, um, you know, explore other areas? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And I think that's like something exactly I was thinking about when I decided to make the change. Um, and at the minimum, try this change out to see if in fact I liked being out of the lab because I did enjoy working on the experiments, working more closely with you know, the large scale team, the small scale team. What I wanted different was getting more of the big picture element. So my experience in the lab was more focused on helping our pharmaceutical programs move forward through experiments, through supporting regulatory filings and things of that nature. Right. So understanding the technical pieces that we need to put together to put a package together to move through the clinic, move through the pipeline. I was happy, you know, I was happy with that kind of work. Uh, it was really interesting to me. I enjoyed mentoring, you know, new people that were joining the lab. But I think I did want more exposure to kind of the other the other side of things as like, why are we doing these experiments? Basically asking, you know, the five whys. <laughs> um, and I think in my previous, you know, in that role, I personally wasn't able to answer answer those questions and I wanted to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think that was the biggest driver and biggest piece that convinced me that, hey, like, let's try to take a step back and learn and apply the things we learned from the technical piece to to the big picture. So, so that was really my motivation to change. And it's mm -hmm. it's been going well so far. You know, I'm still regularly involved with mm -hmm. the technical teams and I'm helping them from the perspective of document management, data management practices. So my experience in the lab role definitely helped um, in many different ways. I think um, I understand what you mean by like that helping you in many different ways. Because I think having that technical experience and, you know, knowing how things run in lab can definitely just help in all areas, especially when you're working in a pharma company. I think it's something that I, that's why I guess I'm kind of trying to figure out as well, is just like how long do I think I can be learning in this lab space and you know, what's next for me. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like I said, I'm very happy where I am. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I can see where you came from. I wanna ask you about the point of what you're doing now and maybe the timing actually worked out in a sense. You do work with uh, vaccine development, at least uh, as far as I know. The timing is actually really interesting. You know, you were in the role kind of as COVID was starting off and as that vaccine development process was kicking off for a lot of companies. What was it like? Um, and you're obviously, to whatever extent you feel comfortable with sharing, um, what was it like kind of being in the inside of a vaccine development, trying to keep up with the news and understanding what needed to be done for a real life you know, immediate problem. I'll be very honest, it was pretty crazy. Um, we were in the vaccine process development area. We were considered to be essential workers. So we were still going in even when COVID happened. <laughs> I remember the, I think what, what Friday that it happened. I remember I was shutting down machines, being like, oh, okay, like, you know, I guess we're just gonna be working for home for a couple of weeks. You know, this thing yep. is gonna go through. <laughs> Powering down and the HPLCs. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think that was my actual one job that day was to power down. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what exactly what I was doing. And I remember probably like 4 p.m. My manager comes in and be like, never mind, we're not shutting down. Everything needs to be back up and running. And I was just like, oh, God. So it was it was interesting, you know, um, seeing the news and how fast things were happening as well. I mean, right. for um, Merck, I mean, I know that we kind of were a little bit later in the game of trying to, you know, get like a vaccine developed for COVID. You know, it was just like we were just working 12 hours constantly 
and it was, it was yeah it was it was a lot it was a lot and wow. yeah. you know I look back on and i find it funny but at the time i just remember being very stressed out but very stressed out <laughs> <Yeah>, sure <laughs> Yes, but um, no, it was a good experience. And, you know, and I think what has happened now um, with seeing, you know, the vaccines that have come out, um, you know, I think we're trying to think of new ways in order to, you know, develop the pipeline even faster. And I think that's one thing that really did come out of COVID um, is that, you know, we are trying to develop platforms that can be um, shelled out very quickly. And, you know, it's an interesting space, you know, it's completely different from what we've done in the past. So. I've it's been good and I'm off those kind of projects at the moment but you know I've hear people talking about it and it seems really cool so well, I'm happy to hear that you're off of the 12 hour shifts that's for sure <laughs> yes most definitely <laughs> I am happy to pointing exactly to being stressed out perhaps at work and trying to make time for yourself how has your work-life balance been you know during maybe that part of your experience and now that you're off those projects are you able to work more from home or is your schedule still more tied to your lab tasks and things of that nature? At the time, since we were considered to be essential workers, it was kind of that we we're going in as often as we felt comfortable, which I also did enjoy. You know, if right. a person wasn't comfortable coming in, they did allow you not to come in. Um, you know, in the beginning, I believe when it first started, I was probably going in probably three, four days a week, um, having like maybe like two or one day um, working from home. And then as time went on, um, kind of weaned off as I started getting off of those projects. Right. Um, and currently in the project that I'm on right now, it is more of a, if you need to come into lab, come into lab. If you don't, then don't. So um, currently now I probably go in three to five days a week. It really just depends on the scheduling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, lecturing what experiments need to be run. But um, yeah, so I do get the luxury of some days working from home, which is more of just like, you know, administrative work, data analysis, stuff like that. But um, I do go in probably, yeah, I would say like three, five days a week. And I guess maybe as a follow up to that, uh, what do you do outside of work that gives you energy and makes you happy? <laughs> do I am very much a homebody. <laughs> um, so just me sitting down on the couch. <laughs> That's okay. That's couch, okay. Yeah. Watching some Netflix um, is always a great night for me. Um, but, you know, during COVID, I think I started, I started doing crocheting, which was actually something that is really really cool okay, just something cool. to i guess to keep my mind off what was happening in the world and what was happening at work you know yeah focusing on that your hands busy as well <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and again i can have like tv in the background also so it's very easy to do but um yeah i mean and then also like baking became a big thing for me as well i think a lot of people started you know doing sourdough starters mm -hmm. and making cakes and COVID you know eating all of them while yeah. they're at home so that's <laughs> something that i also um have started when um, that happened, you know, have continued to do. So those are the things that really bring me joy and energy. That's fantastic. What, what's been your go-to show as of late? So I am still in the middle of succession. Everyone has been telling me that I need to watch it. Nice. I am trying to get through it. That first season's a little rough, but we're trying to get through it. Yeah, for, for succession, I actually, I feel that in some cases I had to rewatch the episodes just because mm -hmm. I would lose focus. Mm -hmm. That show has been so instrumental i think in teaching people how some of these incredibly difficult and high level conversations can be there's a balance between how much you put your guard down and how much you have to keep it up at all times um so trying mm -hmm. to like focus on all the characters and figuring out who is in what stage of having their guard up or down i think is, was difficult for me but that's what i just try to focus on um it's probably whenever i'm done watching that i think i have to go to sleep 
I'm a little, little exhausted afterwards. <laughs> I definitely feel you on that. I feel like it's one of those things that, like, if you keep your eyes off of it for, like, you know, a couple of minutes and come back to it, you're exactly. kind of just like, wait, what is happening? <laughs> like... Bringing us back, um, maybe with one more question for you today, Jonathan. Um, and I'm curious about mm. your take on this. How would you personally measure your progress and success, I guess, over the last couple of years of not only working in the biotech space, but working in general? Yeah, um, you know, for success for me, I think one thing that I've always enjoyed is learning. Um, every day I try to learn something new or just to reestablish something that I've learned recently. And I think one of the great things about being in the pharma biotech space is that there's so many changes happening at all times. I mean, again, even going back to that COVID example, right. so many things have changed in the space. And I think me being able to go into work knowing that there is something that I can either learn, perfect, or, you know, just teach even. Like, even just like, you know, teaching someone something new is always something that I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of, yeah, success at work, I think those are the things that I really look forward to is either learning something new, reestablishing something that I just learned or teaching someone are definitely things that I always try to do every day. doesn't always happen every day, but you know, it's often enough that I am happy in the role that I'm in and I'm happy doing what I do. So. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe as a brief follow-up, um, do you see yourself staying in the biotech space? If so, why? And if not, where do you think you may go uh, in you know five or ten years time you know I think I'm I'm I do enjoy the biotech space and I don't see myself leaving it anytime soon in terms of the why again I think it's just an industry where you can be in a huge company and work on this one thing but there's so many more things happening around you and there's so many mm -hmm. different things that you can learn and again I guess something that I do really appreciate about Merck is that you can easily transition to different roles if you're interested in them. And, you know, right, right now I work in vaccines, but if I wanted to go into small molecule or biologics or analytics, like, you know, talking to my manager, mm -hmm. being if there's a position open and if it's open, then you can do it. So again, there's so many new technologies coming out constantly in this space. And it's just something that I thoroughly enjoy and it keeps me on my toes. You know, there's always something new to learn. There's yeah, always something absolutely. That's true. So, so yeah, it's just it's it's great space. I really enjoy it, and you know, I think for the coming years, I'll definitely be staying in the biotech pharma um, space. Cool. I'm happy that you kind of ended our little Q and A here with the point of being able to speak with your manager about different things you're interested in. That having that level of communication and trust is always a nice to have, you know, especially as you're exploring things that you're interested in and other things that can benefit the company. Like in the exact example that you described of working in different facets, but supporting the same program, the same project and working in a, a different type of technology. And I think that, you know, that just uh, comes down to being open with your manager and having those conversations. I think it's very important. And, you know, again, I think Merck has done a great job with it. So, yeah, it's been good. Thank you, Jonathan, for your time today and really being able to listen to your experience, both in the lab front, both through your different types of project work has definitely been valuable to mine and I'm happy we were, you were also able to ask me something and have me thinking and <laughs> reflect a little on why maybe I chose to do the role that I'm in now. Yeah. So I really hope our listeners can take away some of those different points during the process of getting into the biotech and pharma space through the different types of jobs and through the different types of pieces to any of those jobs as well.
Yeah, no, most definitely. No, it was a great conversation. It was also great to catch up. I mean, like you said, it's been a while. So absolutely. <laughs> so no, most definitely. I was. Glad, I'm glad to um, be able to learn something, and you know, I was glad that we have this conversation. Thanks to all our listeners. Please visit our website at nftpcast.com. Complete the Google form on our website to stay in touch. Submit future topics and industries for us to cover, recover, and discover. Tune in for the next episode, and see you next time. Hi, this is Tyler, the sound engineer with the Networking for the People podcast. If you like today's episode and the music we played, check us out on Facebook and Instagram and at nftpcast.com. Thanks so much and have a great day.